0: Okay, folks, we have been, we've been going through this letter to the Philippians for the last three months, and we've got only four more messages. So, this is the first of four more, four more messages that we're going to look at from this chapter, and we're going to complete this series. Now, we've been talking about living beneath the surface, because the reality is, is for a lot of you, and for even for myself, we can kind of come to a place where Christianity is nothing more than just the service we attend on Sunday mornings, and it doesn't really affect the rest of our lives. And so we're kind of on the surface, and to be honest with you, when it's just the service we attend, it becomes, can I say it, boring. Eventually, it just becomes boring. Because we sing the same songs, now we do them, we, we kind of mix it up a little bit, but basically we sing the same songs. George brings a message every week, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I can't bring a good one every week, sometimes I drop bombs, do you, do you know what I'm saying? You're like, well I didn't get anything out of that, did he even spend any time studying this week? Do you know what I'm saying? was like, that was boring. I was just falling asleep. And and so if that's your concept, you're going to find something else to do on Sunday morning. Because the reality is, is you're living on the surface of your Christianity, of your faith. And the fact of the matter is, is God doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to have joy in him. He wants us to, to be excited about the relationship with him. And I, I thought it was interesting. A lot of the songs that they picked today talked about the intimacy of God and how good he is to you. But if you're living on the surface, you're never aware of that. So we've been talking about that, and I'm not going to spend another message trying to tell you that you need to do this. Today I'm going to tell you what it is, starting with this message and the next three messages. I'm going to tell you about what it means to live beneath the surface. I'm going to tell you what it is to live deep. So we're going to look at five verses today from chapter four. And we're going to focus on living deep today. Let's look with me at God's word, chapter four. Therefore, my... Beloved and longed for, brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore, Eudidia, and I implore, Senshi, that to be of the same mind in the Lord, I also urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, for Clement also, and for the rest of the fellow workers whose names are... In the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look at these five verses, and I'm going to just kind of kind of divide it up into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, the next step. Okay, you've made that decision. We're going to talk about the next step. We're going to talk about living deep with each other. If you're, going to have, if you're going to live deep, you need to understand this, that doesn't mean you do it alone. It means you do it with others. So we're going to talk about living deep with others, and then we're going to talk about living deep with our attitudes. <laughs> living deep with our attitudes. So let's talk about, first of all, the next step. Look with me at verse 1. Therefore, my beloved... And long for, brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Here's what I want you to understand. Here you are. You've made that decision. You probably made it a few weeks ago. George, I want to live beneath the surface. I want to live deep in my relationship with Jesus. So tell me, what do I need to do? Well, here's the first thing you need to do. It's important to understand how God sees you. It's important to understand how God sees you. Look at how Paul describes them. I think it's amazing how he describes these Philippian believers. Now, let me just stop for a moment. They're not perfect. They got their stuff, too. They got their problems. They got their issues. you understand? They're human beings. But this is how he describes them. Look, my beloved and longed-for brethren... My joy and crown. These are affectionate terms that describe how he views them. And he views them that way because God views them that way. So it's important that you begin to understand how God sees you. Because I want you to understand, here's the situation we're in. That's why I think the music was so appropriate this morning. You and I have been, some of us have been in church, some of you, all your lives. And you've heard message after message, you've heard series after series, preachers, and 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 you can just kind of multiply. And in your mind, you develop this mindset that God is, yes, a heavenly father, but your perception of him as the heavenly father is, is he's just waiting for you to mess up so that he could drop the heavenly hammer on you. And so you're like, yeah, Lord, George, I want to live deeper, but you know what? I'm kind of afraid about living deeper because I know I'm going to mess up. And so you've got this perception in your mind about God that, you know, it's like, hey, you want to live deep, but that's good, but you're not doing good enough. We, we get this performance-oriented thinking in our minds concerning how God sees us and how he acts towards us. Now, what I want you to understand is that's not biblical. God never sees you based upon your performance. And here's why. You can never be good enough for him. Do you hear what I said? Some of that, some of you, that may actually set you free. You can never be good enough for God. Because if you could, then there would be no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. Do you understand? Do you understand now? If If you could ever be good enough, there would be no reason for Jesus to die on the cross for you. The fact of the matter is, is God already knows you're not going to be good enough. So he's not interested in performance. So his relationship with you is not based upon your performance. Here's what it's based on. His grace. That's completely different. God's relationship with you and in your desire to want to live deeper is going to be impacted by the realization that it's not based upon how you perform. It's based upon his grace towards you. Isn't that what salvation is? Think about it for a moment. It's Jesus dying on the cross, paying the penalty that you couldn't pay, giving you the forgiveness that you couldn't attain. Giving you a hope of salvation that you never had before. Why? Not because of you and who you are and what you've done and haven't done, but because of what Jesus did. See, that same basis continues on into your relationship with Him. But so many of us, we have this concept that, yes, it's by grace I get saved, but now I gotta work like the devil to have that relationship with him. No, he's got that relationship with you now, period. You need to recognize that. It's important to see how God sees you. If you're going to live deep, the next step is understanding how God sees you. You are beloved. You are longed for. You are the crown of his life. You know, when I look at those terms... I'll be honest with you, I actually can resonate with those terms because that's how I feel about my kids. Do you understand what I'm saying? I They're beloved to me. I long for them. They are the crown of my life. Parents here, you know what I'm talking about. Your kids are your crown, right? That's how God sees you. Wake up to that. And I gotta say that. Wake up to that. Some of us, we've been lulled into this thinking that my only acceptance with God is based upon how I'm doing. Well, folks, you can never do enough to get His acceptance. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can never get enough. Here's the second thing. You must make a concerted effort to pursue the Lord. See, the next step is, is you made that decision. I want to live deeper. Well, now do something about it. That's what he's saying here in this verse. Look what it's, so stand fast in the Lord. You make a concerted effort to pursue him. Do you do know what I'm saying? It, it, cause listen, I want you to listen to me. We're talking about a relationship. Like, have you ever heard of some guy who says, Oh, I'm interested in this gal. I'm interested in this gal. Boy, I really would like to, to have a relationship with that gal. But he never talks to her. He doesn't send her any notes. He doesn't even ugu, I mean, go gaga over her. He's just kind of in a distance. Boy, I'd like to have a relationship when he doesn't make any effort at all to pursue the relationship. Is there going to be a relationship there? No. that's why you got to do something you got to act on it and i would encourage you you don't need to be scared like with guys especially teenage guys I'm like boy well, what if she says no i remember college guys guys never would date in college and we're like i'm just so afraid they're going to tell me no well yeah somebody might but somebody might actually say yes and, and there's that fear. With Christians, you don't need to have that fear because God always says what? Yes to the relationship. Why? Because Jesus already took care of it all on the cross. Jesus already took care of it all on the cross. So here's what I want you to see. There must be a concerted effort to pursue the Lord. Now, how do we do that? Well, he's going to point out two areas, and actually for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at several areas that we need to focus on if we're going to live deep and make a concerted effort. We're going to look at two of them today. We're going to look at with each other and with our attitudes. Next week, we're going to talk about with our fears. We're going to spend a whole message on that because fear is real, is it not? We are afraid of things. We're anxious about things. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to look at some other things later on. But we're going to look at two of them today. We're going to focus, first of all, with each other. So I want you to look with me with verse 2 and 3. We're going to see two ladies. Yes, they are ladies. Those names are unusual. But these are the names of ladies. I implore Eudidia and I implore Sinche to do To be of the same mind in the Lord, I also urge you, true companions, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Here's what's going on here. Let me set this up. Paul obviously got word that these ladies had a problem with each other. Stop for a moment. I can't believe that that would happen in a Christian church. It does happen all the time, don't we? When you get a group of people together, there's always the possibility that somebody's going to tick somebody else off, right? You know what I'm saying? There's always the possibility that somebody is going to tick somebody else off. And that's what happened here. We had two ladies who were laboring together, who served with the Apostle Paul and trying to reach their area for Jesus. And some kind of a kerfuffle happened between them. Some kind of ruckus was going on. Some kind of issue was happening where they were irritated with each other. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, George what does that have anything to do with me going deeper in my relationship with God? It has everything to do with it. Because that's what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about you and God alone. It's you and other believers and God. That's why we have the church. Church isn't about a church service. Church is about a community of believers who encourage and strengthen each other. And who labor together for the Lord. And so he's, and if you've got a problem in that, it's going to affect your relationship with the Lord. Remember what Jesus said? If you go to the offering, he said this in Matthew, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. If you go to the, go to the Lord with an offering and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering and what? Go and make it right. Once you've made it right, then go back. And make your offering. See, that affects your relationship with the Lord. So he's going to talk to them about if you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you've got to recognize that you got to live deep in your relationship with others. So here's three things he's going to point out. Number one, you have to approach relationship issues with the same mind. You have to approach relationship issues with the same mind. What do you mean by that, George? Well, okay. You know, I've been in church. I've been pastoring for over 20 years now. I've been a believer now for 32. And I'll be honest with you. The fights that I've seen usually are because people have a differing viewpoint that is different from the other person, and they feel very strongly about it. Have you ever noticed fighting always occurs because somebody's very strong about their opinion? Actually, not just somebody. Some buddies are very strong about their opinion. And what ends up happening is, is that there's usually an issue, and it's not even sometimes the issue that's on the surface isn't really even the issue. There's something usually beneath the surface. But what's going on there is that with both parties... Both of them have convinced themselves that they are right. Ever met somebody like that? That's why we're duking it out here, because we're duking it out here because I am right and you are wrong, and now I need to prove to you that you are wrong, and I need you to admit that you are wrong and that I am what? Right. That's why we fight. That happens in our relationships too, doesn't it? It's all about one person being right and the other person being wrong. But Paul comes along and he says to these two ladies who are probably struggling with wanting to be right, he's saying to them, look, I implore you to be of the same mind. What does that mean, George? Does that mean he wants them to come to a conclusion about the issues that they're struggling with and and embrace one position over another? No, Paul's a lot smarter than that. Paul's actually wanting them to forget about the, the issues and the two different opinions, and he's wanting them to go grasp a third opinion. A third mindset. And if you're going to live deeper with the Lord, you've got to grasp a third mindset. What's the third mindset? Reconciliation. Living in reconciled relationships with the Lord, where it's not about I'm right or you're wrong or you're wrong and I'm right. It's not about that. It's about we're setting that aside for a greater perspective, us. Which is the church. And he's calling them to, to approach relationship issues with the same mind. Here's the other thing. He's, he said, it's our responsibility to help each other with reconciliation. Look at, look at, look at uh, verse three there. He's not just talking to the two ladies to be of the same mind. He's also telling everybody else in the Philippian church there to help the ladies. Come to a same mind issue. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, but that's, that's not where we're at today. It's like, I don't want to get involved with that, George, because if I get involved, then it just gets even messier. Yeah, usually what happens is, is that when we get involved in somebody's argument is because we've taken a side. And the issue isn't taking a side. The issue is helping them to what? Work it out to reconcile. Do you understand what I'm saying? So your involvement is not just living in reconciliation with each other. Your involvement in living deep is helping others to what? Come to that same mindset of reconciliation. Here's the third thing he says. This is really important since we all serve the Lord. Now, isn't that interesting? He kind of comes, look at what he does. You can see what he's doing here. He starts off with the two people who've got a problem. He says to them, look, you guys be of the same mind. It's not a question of who's right or wrong. It's a question of your relationship with each other. There needs to be reconciliation. Be of the same mind. He then moves on, verse 3, and he says, look, the rest of you help them to reconcile. Help them to work it out. Help them to be where they need to be in their relationship with each other. Then he goes on, the last part of verse three, and he says, why? Because we're all serving the Lord. We're all serving him. And he makes it even more powerful, we're all written in what? The book of life. What's the book of life? Well, if you go all the way to Revelation chapter 20. I think it's the last few verses there, verses 11 through 15. It talks about the great white throne judgment. talks about all humanity appearing before the great judge and that the books will be opened and they'll be judged according to what they do. But then those who are not found written in the book of life will be what? Cast into the lake of fire. So the reality is what he's talking about is that we're all saved. We're all children of God. And if you want to live deeper with Jesus, if you want to get off the surface and you want to have more of God in your life and a deeper relationship with Him, He's talking about you going deep, not just in your relationship with Him, but in your relationship with other people. So be of the same mind because we're all serving the Lord. Now, here's the thing. If you want to live on the surface... Then it really doesn't matter about that relationship with somebody in church, does it? You could always sit on the other side of the room. You could always ignore them. But let's just be honest. That may be your action, but it still affects the rest of us because everybody else, what? Sees that, right? And, and listen, what did Jesus say? By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By your what? Love for one another. See, that's the greatest testimony we have is our love for each other. Now, let's go on. He's going to talk about not just if we're going to live deeper, we're going to have to live deeper with each other. We're going to have to live deeper with our attitudes, with our attitudes. And there's three things that come out of here. Look with me at verse four and five. Number one, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice let your gentleness be known to all men the lord is at hand so he's going to talk about attitudes here first of all verse 4 we are encouraged to find our joy in the relationship with jesus we are encouraged to find our joy in the relationship with jesus in fact this is one this is why this is the theme of philippians several times throughout this book He has talked about you and I finding our joy in Christ. Finding our joy. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you're living on the surface, that seems so abnormal. Because when you're living on the surface, everything's boring. You never see God do anything. You don't expect God to do anything. But when you live deep, you need to have an attitude where you are Finding your joy in Jesus because that is where satisfaction is. Let me give you an example. I can't tell you the whole story because I told you I will tell you next week. But we had an interesting thing happen this year where we made a decision to take an offering for for something that we've taken an offering for for the last few weeks. And as this thing has been working out, I have found... That in my relationship with Jesus, there has been a joy that I can't even understand. But I'm excited about Him because I'm seeing Him do things, and I'll explain it all next week. I'm seeing Him do things, showing me things about Himself, showing Him things about us, that I'm realizing, Lord, this is what it is to find joy in You. It's to see You working in our lives. See, you working in our church. See, the problem is, is that for most of us, we're just focused on gloom and doom. Isn't that true? Oh, this is going bad, and he ain't changing, and she's not changing, and oh! When we lose sight of the one, when you're living on the surface, that's where it's at, right? You just focus on the. But if you're living beneath the surface, you focus not on the circumstances of what's going on around you. You focus on who? Jesus, God, and what he's doing in your life. And you begin to realize the small things that he's doing. And you begin to open up the reality. And it goes back to the songs that we've been singing this morning. What? He is good. He's good to you. He loves you. He forgives you. He still loves you. See, you. You with your attitude, if you're going to live deep, you need to be encouraged to find your joy in the relationship with Jesus. Now here's the second one. You should live in such a way that your life is marked by gentleness. If you're living deeper with Jesus, you should be living in such a way that your life is marked by gentleness. You know, I've said this to you before. I'll say it again. You can tell if a person has been walking with Jesus by the way they treat other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can tell if a person has spent time with Jesus that day by the way they treat other people. Because if they're mean, if they're ripping somebody's head off verbally not literally, hopefully, but verbally, if if they're just being belligerent and nasty, ever been in a church and walk up to somebody and they're just nasty people who go to church, right? I can already tell you right now, they're not living deep with Jesus, they're living on the surface. It's just a service to them. It's not a relationship because if you're in a relationship with Jesus, your life is going to be marked by what? Gentleness gentleness towards other people. I'm just saying that. And maybe you're hearing, you're saying, well, George, you know, my life's not marked by that. Well, then you need to take a step back and talk to Jesus about that and say, hey, Lord, I know I want that joy in you, but how do I, how does that love from you overflow in my life so that it affects other people? You got to ask him about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You got to ask him about that. Here's the third thing. The reality that Jesus is coming should motivate you. Now he's going to get to the attitude of why we do what we do. Look at what he says there. Let your gentleness be known to men. The Lord is at hand. See, here's the thing. Why do I want to live deeper? Why do I want to live deeper where I find my joy in him? Why do I want to live deeper where... Where I am working towards reconciliation with others and helping others to live in reconciled relationships. Why do I want to live deeper with Him so that my actions towards other are marked by gentleness because it's obvious that I've been with Jesus? Well, because here's why. Jesus is coming back and you don't know when it will be and it could be anytime soon. You ever been caught? What do you mean caught, George? Well, you ever, ever been caught? You've, you've got this persona, maybe you've got this perception of that you are like this towards other people and people think the best of you. And then you're in a situation where the real you is being expressed and you're being nasty and you get caught being nasty and all of a sudden the real you is exposed. That's pretty awkward, isn't it? You're feeling pretty sheepish at that point, right? Well, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back for you and you're caught in the midst of it. That's that's the motivation here is, are you going to be ready for when he comes back or is he going to catch you in the midst of something? That's embarrassing. You know, when I think about that, I think about my relationship with Lori. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. And... uh Lori, I was one time. I there was a Presbyterian pastor here in town that I was friends with. This has been, this has been, oh my goodness, probably ten years now. He came. He and I were doing something, and we stopped by the house. He dropped me off, and we we walked in, and Lori was cooking. And uh, I said, uh, he said, "What you making, Lori?" And I said, "Yeah, Lori, what are you making for dinner tonight?" And and she didn't want to say. And I said, What are you making? And here she was making tofu. Now, you know that George is a burger man, right? <laughs> tofu does not enter into my mouth. And and I started, I don't know, for some reason the real me started showing up. I started getting hot under the collar. She's making tofu for who? Us. You got to be kidding me. But I didn't say that. That's going through my mind. And my pastor friend is right there. And I said, well, you know, hey, Dan, it's great to see you. Glad we had a good time. See you later, bud. I was wanting him to leave. You know why, don't you? So that the real George could speak and say, we're not eating that or I'm going to McDonald's, you know. But, and Lori's laughing and Dan, who is smart and perceptive, realizes what's going on and he doesn't leave. In fact, he just kind of smiles and laughs a little bit. And I'm like, oh, that tofu is really good. I think that's really good that you're eating that. I mean, he just goes on about the tofu. And I'm like, well, you know, thanks, Dan. I'll see you later. I've got some things I need to do, buddy. I'm opening the door for him. He's not leaving. What's going on there? I wasn't embarrassed, but I was caught with who I really was. Not the George, Pastor George, who goes out to lunch with Dan, but Pastor George who hates tofu and who was going to let Lori know it. Did you know what I'm saying? And that's embarrassing. We've, you've been in situations like that before, haven't you? We don't like those situations. We don't like being caught with who we really are. And the reality is, is that's what Paul's saying here. You know what? You want to live deep with me? You live deep in your relationship with others by seeking reconciliation. You want to live deep with me? You live with an attitude of finding your joy in the relationship with me. You live in your gentleness towards others. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. He's coming. And you don't know when it is. And he'll just show up. And you'll be what? Embarrassed. If you're being who you really are. That is the sinful you. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, let me give you some thoughts here. Number one, you have to be ready to act on the choice to live beneath the surface. You have to be ready. We've been talking about living beneath the surface for the last three months now, it's time to do something about it. You've got to be ready to live beneath the surface. You've got to be ready to want to have something more in your relationship with Christ. You have to be ready to to live and act on that choice. I can't do it for you. You have to do it. Here's the second thing. Allow the relationship with Jesus to affect every area of your life. Allow the relationship with Jesus to affect every area of your life. See, it's not just you and Jesus in a special quiet time. It's you and Jesus in how you act with other people at home, at the church, or at work, or at Walmart. You know, for years I've heard horror stories of, of people who were waitresses, who wait, who were serving in restaurants... Back in the era when everybody went to church and they would go after church to go to the restaurant and they were always shocked by the church people because they're always there. One of the things that always shocked them about the church people is how rude they treated the waitress. Whether it's through the nastiness of how they expressed themselves to them or how they expressed by leaving a penny for a tip. Did you understand what I'm saying? Your relationship with Jesus needs to affect every area of your life. Every area of your life. And you need to be aware of that. Let me pray for you.